No more clickbait, no more sound bites, and no more videos that are over before you blink. No more being told to click this or to share that because some people think you can't think. Choose a new way of doing things. Choose real people. Choose real stories. Choose the Real Talks podcast. Four-time All-Ireland winner with Dublin, Kevin McMenamin has become a key cog in the blue machine that has dominated Gaelic football throughout this decade. In that period, he's developed an interesting knack for scoring memorable goals at crucial moments and is adored by Dublin fans for his directness and instinctive play. But as you're about to hear, there's a lot more to Kevin than just his exploits on the field. And truth be told, when I had the idea to set up this podcast... He was one of the very first names that came to mind. Among other things, we spoke about his struggles with performance anxiety that held him back from reaching his potential in earlier years. And he talks openly and honestly about how influential sports psychology has been for his development, both as an athlete and more importantly, as a person. We chatted about his love for music, how he maintains a balanced lifestyle and the importance of resilience, particularly when it comes to mental health education of young people. This podcast is brought to you thanks to the support of Kelly Bradshaw Dalton, who for over 20 years have been successfully selling, renting and managing property in the Greater Dublin area. You can check out their website at kbd.ie, that's kbd.ie, for all your property needs. My name is Alan O'Mara and you are listening to the first ever episode of the Real Talks podcast. Would unsettle all of that. It's a free kick. Kian O'Sullivan. Under seven minutes to go. Alan Brogan sent in. McManaman dodging. McManaman scoring! There's a point between the teams. And Kevin McManaman has kicked a beauty and sent Dublin fans into raptures. 64 minutes on the clock. Beautiful pass, wonderful work, precision here by McMenamin. He made a difference in the semi-final. And when he took the pass from Brogan here, he's made a difference in the final itself. Rounding Declan O'Sullivan and beating Brendan Keeley. 110 to 19. It ain't over yet. Wonderful I'm gonna jump into that 2011 final against Kerry. I think won your your fondness for a goal. That's obviously a, f- a good memory in your mind or a good moment in the Dublin jersey. But actually, I watched that clip. There was a few things stood out in it. And one was actually Alan got that turnover. And you're standing about 10 yards to the right of him at that stage. And you can see you, the two years are like, it's go time. And the two years run up along the right wing. You're both waving, like holding your hands out at each other. And eventually the ball finds its way to you just outside the 21. What's in your mind there? Um, very little. Um, there was, uh, I suppose, I was just, I was, I was very, very worried, very worried. Um, I remember looking at him going, "Give me the thing earlier." Yeah. I wanted it a lot so, earlier. I the twos are literally standing there yeah. going, "I'm here." Um, just something about him, he, his time, and I should have trusted his timing a bit more because it worked out well for him. Uh, what was, what was in my mind? My mind was, 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 was have a go at it. Yeah, and it's funny. Um, I remember I kind of did a jink inside and I'm kind of thinking, gee, I couldn't believe it. This, this, this is on here. And I'll never forget the day before we were, um, 
we were doing a bit of goal practice, um, myself and Mossy Quinn, and just just kind of getting the eye in. And Mossy says to me, "Do you notice that you're lifting your body? You're lifting your head up really quick before you actually were follow through on the ball." Right. And I was like, "Geez, that's what I'm doing because what I was nearly wanted to see the ball going you in." You wanted to see your goal. Yeah, <laughs> and I was lifting, and it was putting me off balance. And I'd missed one in train the week before. Um, that had uh, went high, hit the post. Um, and I do like to keep him down. So it was, he just said, I go, well, what would you do? And he basically just said, just make sure you keep the head down and follow through. Mm. And that's the only thing that I thought about. So I just keep it. So I, didn't, I never even saw the thing going in because I just kept the head down, make sure I follow through, got a good strike on it. So. The, the thing I was laughing at actually as I was watching it was, I think Mick McCauley's running on the inside yeah, mm. and Berno's pointing at Mick telling you to, to slip it to Mick. And I think mm. most players in that... They're all, we're all coached now or taught to slip it to the one over and mm. it, you're like you're an absolutely most single-minded focused man that I think mm. one of, I've ever seen in a football field and it's boom goal time and I think what I was laughing at them was you're running out and you start doing the, you start doing the classic point in the head you know focus yeah. focus and I suppose that sort of that brings me on to my next point around I suppose the, the sports psychology or the or the mental fitness aspect of it and I think that's would it be fair to say that's been a key part of your development over the years or something that you focused on or prioritised? Yeah, uh, very, very much so. I'd be a huge... Uh, I've been a huge beneficiary of, of mental skills. Um, and, yeah, I suppose it's... it's I just... I, I don't think I'd be playing kind of for Dublin without it. That was kind of more of a... You, really, you, you genuinely believe that that's... You wouldn't be playing without that? No. And I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have... I wouldn't be still playing. I wouldn't have got there, I don't think... If I didn't have a couple of interventions in my club, um, in terms of taking that next level into the senior, to see myself as a senior footballer, but uh, again, I was my my thing was a severe lack of confidence and performance anxiety was my kind of trouble, and I just that's when you make the breakthrough. Yeah, more of my debut season. You know, I've, I found it difficult to, uh, to to relax in Crow Park. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I t- I just thought that. You know, I, I traditionally saw myself as a big game player growing mm-hmm. up and I used to be very confident and growing up I was I had a good record of man to match in finals. Okay. So I kinda that was a nice thing to bring in, but whatever way it was in Crow Park I had had it on the pedestal a little bit as to um yeah, as to I, this is this was the dream. I mean, the dream was to actually stand out there rather than to play well out so, there. Like, as know? in Crow, getting to Crow Park was the end goal rather than the beginning of the journey. Is that Absolutely. makes sense? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I have, I have something that I want to show you here and I think is that your is that your championship debut? That's my debut there right there yeah. against Wexford in 2010 mm. and I Joey, suppose I think it's Joey Wadding mark me if, uh, Wexford guy so the picture that I have like anyone listening what is what I'm showing you is, is, is you and Croker with a, a very youthful looking Kev uh, with, a, with a slightly tighter haircut and less of a quiff and, a couple uh, of extra kilos on me as well <laughs> and the other one is, is you after the all Ireland final this year holding Sam up and Croker and I think you touched upon the sort of the performance anxiety and and just learnings that you had to take sort of that we all some of us some of us have to learn as, mm. as we get thrown into those environments. What's the big difference between that Kev on the ball against Wexford running down the pitch and that one looking smiley and happy after an All Ireland final in 2016? Um, very clever. I like the I like the two pictures. I suppose <laughs> what's the difference? It, it, the difference is probably mainly that I learned to understand what's going on in my body when I'm playing matches you know what's going on in my brain and that when I get that bit of fear that bit scared uh, how to respond to it so you know I I 
beat it into me that I love pressure, that I that I love the challenge of performing on a big day. Um, again, I love the uh, the fact that I, I get energized uh, before a, you know a competition. Um, so that's kind of one of them, I suppose, in terms of my own when confidence. Say, when you say energized, there, though, just are you are you talking the classic butterflies in the stomach? Is that what you're touching on? Or yeah, well, it's it's true. I like I, my the way my um, performance anxiety shows is through through doubt. Is it through uh, and through muscle tension? You know? Okay. Uh, so you know, everyone. Some people get butterflies. Some people get the heart goes. You, you don't want to know what mine is. <laughs> no, <laughs> my breath goes a lot quicker and things right. like that. So I contrive to do control my breath to do breathing stuff. Okay. Um, and that was kind of initially the thing that I started to love the love the pressure um, and just recognizing those changes in your body and understanding what was going on. Yeah, that was part of it. And then um, I suppose then the big one that was kind of nearly. At a couple of levels, a couple yeah. of big chats. I had a great chat one day uh, with Caroline Currid, who who I would have looked up to, and who sure. would have been a great guide f- uh, for me. Um, but it was twenty twelve when um, you know I'd had the All Ireland the pocket, and I was starting, and I was playing well in Leinster Championship games, but I still still getting nervous, still getting this mm. this crippling anxiety. And we had a great chat, a long chat one day out in a hotel out in Minute, and. I'll always thank her for sticking with me that day yeah. because she got to the root of what my problem was and nearly it would have been very difficult to see because I would have cloaked it very well mm-hmm. but no confidence in me football I was a very confident fella okay. in terms of my own social life and in terms of my personal life going out and doing things but for some reason I would talk myself down a lot mm-hmm. when, I, when I when I played football so it was wouldn't I discount kind of my good performances? So I remember I had two man of the matches in Leinster uh, in twenty twelve, and it was kind of like rather than you know what you were good today, you know fair play to you. It was more, ah uh, sure, you weren't marking a great fella because they were all marking. Yeah. They were double marking Burno or Conley, or Jay's. You got lucky yeah, with that. Just goal. talking yourself down. Like. Or Jay's, you, you geez, that was a fluke. Fluke, you know. You just you just put the foot through that one. You didn't place that one or whatever, and. Just it was nearly a light bulb moment for me. I was like, "Geez, I need to work my confidence." And my self talk was completely um, upside down. Okay, you know, it was like the upside down pyramid. The, the positive stuff was it's the complete wrong way. Like. Was was I was giving ten percent positives and ninety percent being hard on myself, and um, probably because I don't know, maybe I was taught that way. Um, is, like it, is, is is it something to do? Is it a little bit just the Irish psyche at times as well? And like, oh yeah, you're a grand lad, but you did this and you did that, and yeah. it's that classic but. Yeah. And then pause, and it's it's very true. Like, and and I think if we nearly looked at percentage of conversations where we're hard on ourselves, mm-hmm. and look, we all need to be hard on ourselves. You need to know what you, what you what you need to grow at. But I suppose when you spend all your time thinking about that, and it seeps in, and what it was doing for me was chiseling away my confidence rather than I was taught it was motivating me so if I'm hard on myself I'll train harder yeah. on Tuesday or I'll kick over the pro- balls nearly prove myself wrong like, yeah exactly yeah and so instead of just going okay we all know what we need to improve on but actually giving, giving myself some credit so and I think it was probably what I figured out in hindsight was my heroes were Roy Keane and Michael Jordan yeah now looking back could you find two athletes <laughs> that are harder on themselves? Yeah. Probably not. But they're they're not they're not they're not cut from the same cloth as me. They're 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 different animals. Sure. So uh, again, I don't think I ever need motivation to train. I'm very driven. Uh, I, I want to get better every week. But so I'm a lot. 
I'm a lot nicer to myself these days. It's, you know? uh, no, I think for a certain part of an athlete's development, like there definitely is a time where you've got to be hard on yourself and mm. you've got to say, what do I need to improve? But as well as that, I think there does come a stage where you need to start sort of loving yourself a bit as well and going, do you know what? Like, I'm really good. Like, I'm good yeah, at this. Yeah. And you've got to get that balance right. And the reason that I was sort of asking about the anxiety and the, the performance issues was, I think it's something that the large majority of sports people will have, but sometimes we all just bury and pretend we're just naturally deadly, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I remember, it was, I mean, we played... We played London in Crow Park in 2013 myself and there was a, a ball dropped in the edge of the square and it ended up getting slapped into the goal. For about five, ten minutes in that game, I was eating myself alive going, should have came for that, should have got that. And I remember getting home and was just in an absolute, like, the whole, the negative thing was just vroom, vroom, vroom. And I got home, game was recorded on telly, watched the thing about ten times in a row. And I remember just snapping and going like, like what am I doing? Like, mm. And even as I looked, the more I looked at it, like, it, was, it was one of these freak balls that, you know, I probably, I probably if I could rewind the clock I probably wouldn't have gone for it anyway but I just got lost in that mm. and later on that year because it was something that really that moment really stuck with me like and we played Kerry the following week and even led to a lot more doubts going into that game yeah. I let it eat at me but was the, the All-Ireland final that year you was played that was 2013 did you play Mayo that year in the final yeah, yeah. and Berno scored 2-3 and I, I remember I was watching that game because I was working there I remember watching Bernard and I remember thinking will I ever be able to to be like that because he just looked like this zen state mm. and it was just one of those moments where I remember just thinking like like he's in the zone yeah, don't we yeah. talk about the zone and exactly like, yeah, like, yeah. and I'm just like, but I think like, don't me wrong, I'd imagine Bernard has had plenty of nerves and anxiety over the years but I remember just looking at it going like that's the way to play football like you're yeah. just you just seem present that felt very there was a destiny to that I think a man the match in the All-Ireland final I think yeah yeah I think so yeah he was great that day yeah he was just he was top notch I suppose one of the things I would certainly associate with you of on the field is that knack for goals or that sort of, I don't know if you call it a love for goals or a desire for goals. Mm. I don't even know if I've said this to you before, but I remember like we were both in DIT together around the same time. And I think it was, I was fresher in 2009. And I remember there was a, there was a sevens blitz thing going on and it was like, you were, you were rounded up by your county. So I was part of the Cavan team and you were playing on the South Dublin team. Okay. And I don't know if you remember this. I remember but, uh, that in Grange Gorman. Yeah, it was up in Grange Gorman. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was, it was sevens. It was small goals going across the pitch, whatever it was. And we had to play you in one of the games. And I had no idea who you are. I'd never heard you before. I'd never seen you before. But I remember coming off the pitch and going to one of the lads, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, you must have put about five goals past me. And I'm like, Where, who is this chap? Like, yeah, yeah. like you're in your goal poaching dream. Like, it was just like, I remember yeah. just one across the goal, bang. Big you know, goal, I, 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 for some reason, I just remember this because it was uh, so it was that real confined pitch and I was playing with a few different boys from home. And it, that was, so it was 2009. Mm. So I'm like, who the hell is this fella? Mm. And then I think 2010, you actually make the breakthrough with Dublin then. Is that right? Yeah, well, like 2009 was kind of the... 2008, I was injured for the whole year, mm. really. Uh, but um, So that was, I had a good Sigerson and Gilroy kind of had me in in 2009, mm. the odd time during the summer. And he reckoned I wasn't up to the pace of it. So I had it went off to... Did you agree with that? Not really. I think it was more it was more the fitness thing. You know, maybe, maybe I wasn't. The, the, the level they were at, they were kind of Leinster semi-final. Mm. Uh, at that stage, when I when I was when I was kind of in, they had a development squad around that time. I think gated football is starting to go really towards the fitness end as well, isn't it? Mm. Like the fitness levels are really shooting up. Yeah, like fitness was never a huge problem for me. I always had a good engine, and I always, I do like, I do always make sure I train on my own just to make sure I, I, I do like staying fit, like mm. so I can I can run. Um, 
So that was that summer, and Gilroy kind of said, no, listen, we'll have a look at you again. So I went off to Chicago for a couple of months. Did as, you? As you do, yeah. yeah. I did my did second stint. Did you play out there? I played over Parnell's in Chicago, yeah. yeah. So the great summer. And when I came back then, uh, we went on a big run with the club, and that coincided. We got to the final. I had my best probably club season, I'd say, ever. I haven't had a good se- uh, uh, as good a season since. And... Got to the final and that coincided with Dublin losing to Kerry in the All-Ireland semi-final, getting hammered. So mm. Gilroy needed to kind of go with new guys. So I'm blessed and ever thankful that he, he went with me as one of them. But there was probably 10 of them. Yeah. 10 new guys that year that he went with, like some myself and Macaulay and James McCarthy and uh, Mick Fitz. Uh, Keno Sullivan kind of started coming sure. in and... Um, a few others that were kind of a bit edgy, the likes of Macaulay and Fitzy, like aren't mm. traditionally, you know, what you would have seen. Well, even as Dublin footballers. Yeah. But um I think he liked something. They weren't flash enough. They weren't you maybe yeah, <laughs> they, they had an edge. We had a kind of a, a bit of an edge yeah. about us, uh that that, you know, dovetailed well into the guys that were there, the the seasoned guys and you know, he, he wanted guys who'd push the likes of Brogan, who was who was under pressure at the time, mm. uh, Bernard, and the likes of Colin Keeney and Dermo and things like that. So, um, I think I think that's one of Gilroy's things is that he that he he, he took guys and, and was able to mould them into a great team. You've touched upon a lot of the, that, those skills that you've learned or that's added to you in your game, and I think for me anyway, that's how sports psychology has evolved in the modern day era. I think. Even when I start playing, so you're playing County Minor, probably the same for you. Sports psychology was you got a once-off talk from a, from a lad that came in or a woman that came in and just basically the manager expected everyone to be great and buzzing after it for a long period of time. But, like, I think the reality is, like, it was fairly low-impact stuff. Like, it might have been a kick and, mm. and some lads took one or two things from it, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't planned or strategic. You, has that role changed, in your opinion, over the last number of years? Yeah, well, I suppose just, there, there is great kind of... Um, there's a, there's a big misconception out there what kind of sports psychology actually is um, and you know I suppose it, that's what that's what it was coming from was kind of one-offs and you know there are there are there are certain scenarios where you can wear one-off chats and you know just giving it one or two things for a team to, to yeah, work on boost. but like the really the, the way it really works is to have someone embedded in a team uh, knowing the players knowing what they're about because like it's not as simple as motivating someone or doing goal setting or building confidence um, or, you know, teaching people how to react better to setbacks or to talk to themselves more positively. Like, there's, there's a big, there's a lifestyle thing to it as well. So, you know, I, I find a lot of the work I do with athletes is about their lifestyle. So you could, be, you could be having conversations with them about what's going on at home, what's going on in their heads, sure. what's uh, kind of, what kind of state they're in, whether it's the, you know, they got the boot from the girlfriend or whatever it is. So you're kind of that. There's that side of it as well that uh, I, I kind of wasn't expecting when I went. And it's it's something that I've really, really grown to enjoy. Uh, but I just think it's it's like if you if you ask a team, you know, what's the difference between winning and losing? Like it's all about. They all say the intangible things, and you know, you can't miss a um, a gym session, or else you'll be lynched. You know what I mean? But you can you can have a laissez-faire attitude towards mental toughness uh, or towards building mental skills I don't see it I don't see the the reason for that so I suppose coaches are starting to think differently about it um, uh, I suppose there probably needs to be more good sports like out there yeah. I suppose um, 
and I'm hoping that I'm going to grow into a, sure. a really good one. Um, like at the moment, if like if there's what what sports are you working in at the moment? Because obviously, I'd imagine you're staying away from the the GA circle a little bit. Are you? Uh, yeah, I am. I'm trying to kind of get experience, and I get great experience from a range of sports mm-hmm. and just learning different cultures. And you know, I've spent time across. I've, I suppose I've met athletes from a lot of sports. So I've done work over the last couple of years with rugby. Okay. Um, again, a hugely different culture. Basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not. I'm not really working this year in basketball, but uh, a great, great, uh, really enjoyable year with Temple Oak, who were the cup champions last year. Who I got a huge amount out of. Like we were, they had a start in five. They all played uh, in in college. Okay. Most 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 of them have played Division One college in America. Um, and just guys that you'd rob so much from like I'm robbing so stuff they've from been to America from. for a couple of years and they're back mm. home is it like, yeah they would have guys yeah like so like we've guys there's a guy Connor Grace there who who I played who I uh, coached last year who was um, who was played in Division 1 th- uh, with Davidson which is mm. the college that Steph Curry went to um, and we've got uh, and, and he's played all over the world he's played in I think he's played in Greece played in Malaysia right. a few guys so Jace Killeen was a college guy he's a Limerick guy who played in college over there Again, been a pro all over the world. Mike Bonaparte, an unbelievable athlete who played in, I think it's called the University of Ozarks. Recently a Hall of Famer. Um, a really good guy. But they've, they've got a lot of great, uh, even even um, uh, players that they blooded themselves and, and have become Irish internationals. Stephen James, Gorka Murphy, these guys. I learned a huge amount from from, so, from yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I had a really enjoyable year with those guys. I still keep in touch with some of them. I'm not, cool. I'm not as as involved as I'd like to be. Again, time is a big thing. You know, you're trying to, it's hard to have two teams at one time, but, you know, you chat to, you, you, I chat to a lot of individual athletes as well, whether it's golfers or in, in athletics and things like that. So, it's nice, it's nice to have that um, different side of me, I suppose. It's not just about the guy, yeah. you know, which, no, is, which is a tempting thing great. to do. And I'll come to, I'll come to that time and the balance thing in a second. I suppose, just before I close off that, that psychology aspect of, of the conversation. Like if a if a manager picks up the phone and gives you a shout and says, Listen, I'd like you to come in and, and do a bit of work with our team, what what's the primary thing you see as your role in there? What's what's the thing you go and go, I want to make a difference with this? Because you mentioned about getting more good psychologists out there. Just just from your own perspective, what, what is the, what does that mean to you, I suppose, is what I'm asking? Um well okay, well the the most important thing is is the relationship with the with the coach, I would think. Um, that's what I found is will the coach is the coach ticking a box or is the coach actually mm-hmm. want to embedding in so the, the coach initially, the coach eventually should should be uh, training mental skills rather than you so you're trying to educate the coach uh, I think that's one of the big things um, what do you want to do with, with players see it's it's so broad I suppose um, in terms of the things you know when you look at mental toughness it's about control so understand you can control your own performances to an extent uh, understand you can control your own emotions uh, in terms of the, the highs and lows of a game which pl- players don't do how much of that from your perspective is studying in Jordanstown yeah yeah and playing how much where's the balance in that when you're when you're working with someone um, in terms of uh, where I've got my learnings from or yeah just your own because I know because, no, you answered the yeah, well, um, first and I'll tell you why um, <laughs> where's it from I suppose I picked up a lot from college college was probably a little more scientific and mm-hmm. uh, theory based there was a lot of applied stuff as well but I've learned I suppose I have learned more from ex- experiencing it 
um, and just being being involved in teams and watching the things, the different personalities. And that was one of the great learns for me was that the uniqueness of every athlete. You know, you can't just go in with a oh, this is how they work on your confidence. Because they won't, five points and this is, it worked for Kev Mack, yeah. but it won't work for Alan Mara, or it won't sure. work for, for um, you know, for, for someone else. So, um, yeah, I, I, got, I would have got a lot of learnings out of, out of my own uh, experiences, but again, it's trying not to sh- shove them down people's throats because, you know, it's people people pick up the things that's relevant for them. I'm gonna, I just want to, I want to read one quote that I read. You did an interview with Kieran Shannon before, um, and this just jumped off the page for me. You don't want me reading it, but so you said, I can't tell you the amount of times in my work that I've sat down with athletes and they've said, I've never told anyone this, but... Yeah. How do you prepare for that? Uh, you, is that just part of the role, or is that did that surprise you a little bit? Yeah, t- that definitely surprised me, yeah. yeah. Now, maybe I was probably maybe exaggerating a bit, but it does happen, no, but- um, and... Uh, it, it has happened to me uh, a lot. Maybe is, is, is might be the right phrase, but it has happened to me uh, a good few times. Um, so it's, I suppose when you do build a bit of trust uh, or uh, you know a bit of respect with with an athlete, mm-hmm. that they they do feel that you've got the skills that maybe can help you know guide them through uh, a p- particular tricky situation. These are kind of lifestyle things, like you know, or sometimes some fellas would say, even in terms of the sports side of go. I'm a bit reluctant to even say this, but geez, I'm very hard on myself because people have give off the the uh, keep your mask on and keep, keep it all your mask up. on. Yeah. Is right, yeah. So um, I'm proud to say that people would give me that gift of, of yeah. being of, of oh, having no, an honest I, conversation. I meant that as a as an absolute compliment. I think. No, yeah, like, I know. Yeah. I think like from for even like if I say from my perspective as a player, I've been addressing them or where I've been around psychologists, like. You might agree or you might disagree, but the first thing I want to know if for someone that's working with me is that they give a shit about me, like, like they actually, mm. like, you know, it's not just about getting me out on the pitch on Sunday so I can save a shot or I can, like, kick a 45 oh, yeah. over the bar, like, but actually, like, you know what, that person cares about me. And the second thing, and this, this is the compliment I'm getting at you, is that trust, and I think trust is probably, in any successful team, is one of the most important things. Yeah, it probably is, and again, it's a skill for me that I don't in any way have mastered, you know, mm. I'm sure there's a lot of players that have, that, that wouldn't tell me, you know, anything about their lives um, again, but it's about trying to, you know, you know, be be, be more approachable maybe or to be to be more uh, understanding of, of different people and whether it's different cultures or just different backgrounds or whatever it is. So it's 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 one of the key things. It's something that I, I'm certainly going after my own personal development is that having having more, you know, genuine conversations with people uh, and you know, being able to yeah, just accept people who for for who they are and being being real about it, you know. Nice. <laughs> I'm robbing your language now. Real, <laughs> real talks. Yeah, real talks. Yeah. Yeah, people think you're on commission. Yeah. Um, I suppose earlier on you touched upon the time and the balance, and even I'm I'm acutely conscious of that. I've spent the first half of this interview sort of talking about sports and and GA and your playing career and all that, but I'm also fully aware that there's a lot more going on in your life. You've got different skills and different attributes. So one of the biggest questions that I have in terms of being, particularly a Dublin footballer, which is a like you know, it's a tier one team. It's it's top of the, it's top of the ranks, and I think it's fair to say that you look, you absolutely love your sport and you and you really enjoy playing for Dublin. But how important is it for you to to maintain that balance um, between on field life and off the field life? And I suppose the second question that I have is, how do you do that? Yeah, well, I suppose it's it's kind of a 
it's a, it's a skill I suppose I've probably developed um, and the reason I've developed it is that I realised that being a, an all-out footballer wasn't doing me any favours, wasn't helping me play well at football and it wasn't giving me a life when things went wrong, you know. Yeah. So for for the first probably three years of my career, I would have just, it was all football. My job was... Were you Kev Mack the footballer? That was you? Oh, totally, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was my whole ups and downs were completely linked to my ups and downs in the football field. Um, I felt her pain in that regard. Yeah, well, I mean, I was the same. So that's, many, why, that's why I ask as well. I was yeah, saying, like, but so many people are, and you're just you're in this world where you're, you believe that the the GA is everything, mm. and you know, I, I I love it. I give my all to it because I love I love playing. Uh, but I just learning. You know, you have a few when if you have an injury or something. Sure. What do you do? Like, do you have do you have an edge? With so it's it's I kind of just gradually learned that when I was pronouncing the other side of my life uh, life that I enjoyed not only was I ha- happier in general but I actually was playing better yeah, that's, I think that's the big like, I'm yeah. just going to say that to you because I found even myself like we're both like I think we're, we're similar to that football at one stage was dictating how we are how, like, how our life was like, you know, if things were going well on the field things I sort of used to say things were going alright off the field mm. but I think that point you made is so important that I, I think it's when stuff is off the field is right and in balance and you, things are going well I find and, and again I just if you I'd like to know what you think about it, is actually playing football then just becomes you get a chance to express yourself mm. and, and to do something that you enjoy doing rather than clinging to it going I better play well so I feel good during the week yeah, yeah. do you know what I'm getting at totally yeah and I think when you are more relaxed I think you're more resilient and you can you can think a lot clearer and it's a, it's a big leap for people because people love playing well so much mm. You know, they love playing well, they love getting better so much that they try and really control it. And one of the things I've learned is that actually letting go of it and letting and having a more natural, instinctive approach to football is actually how you, you know, maximise your potential. Um, and that's a very difficult thing for people to let go of, is to let go of the control of their own improvement and their own performances. So... Um, I think that was a big leap that I t- that I took, and I'm still taking every day. Yeah, you know, course, don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm still a cause still a big part of me that's a control freak, and I want to get better. And I, I, whether it's you know setting goals, or whether it's being you know looking for an edge, um, every way I can. Um, but I do know, particularly on match on match days, I know letting go and um, you know just taking on the chin, whatever happens, is a great way for me to play better and again for me to be more resilient so if something does go wrong you're not spending weeks thinking about it so whether whether you play good or whether you play bad what's your outlet then because of getting at the balance thing here where do you get that from what how do you keep that in check um, I suppose but what do I do outside like I have a huge interest in psychology I have a huge interest in mental health uh, and to do kind of with the brain and behaviour change and people mm-hmm. so I do a lot of reading I do a lot of uh, upskilling in terms of what I know and uh, whether it's reading books, whether it's meeting coaches, whether it's, you know, doing different um, training courses that I've been on. I've tried every sort of training course you can imagine um, to improve me as a, um, you know, as a, as a mental skills coach, I suppose, from meditation to mental imagery to how to train, yeah. how people learn, to public speaking and things like that. Um, and and well, music is probably my biggest outlet. Okay. Uh, music is probably the big thing. So I love playing a few tunes, play with my brother and my mate, Mark. What do you play? Um, 
I play uh, mandolin and okay. banjo. Yeah, so um, that's just uh, that's just something I love. I absolutely grown up listening to a lot of Irish music, and um, it's funny. I was looking at me. The bands I listen to are all kind of tend to be Irish bands. Now it doesn't. It's not necessarily folk or trad, which I do love. Yeah. But it's um, even high in a homegrown Irish rock band. Sure. That are, are 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 just people I love listening to. So um, and I play a bit. Play for a couple of gigs a week and things like that. Where do you play? That's a great release. Uh, I've played in, in a temple bar around those areas. Um, my my younger brother does it every night, and he's a so kind it's of. You, it's you and your brother. Is it two or someone else? My younger brother. Well, there's three of us in it, but okay. two of us do the yeah. gigs. It's so there's no mate. So you can some, roll in, roll out. No, during the summer now, I wouldn't be doing as many. Okay. Uh, but look, it's grand. I, I initially, um, initially when I started it, I was like, you know, I wanted something extra, you know, and and it was there was a reason for it at the time. But I love it. Get to hang around, my brother. I don't I don't live there at yeah. home anymore. Get to hang around with him, or get to hang around with my mate Swainer, who, um, you know, three of us have great crack together, and it's just it's just a nice little release for and me. That's what I say. I presume if it's the Temple Bar vibe, like. Is it just a, is it just a space where you just get the zone out for a little while? Is that a fair summary of That's it? That's it, yeah, yeah. So, like for me, and I, and I'm trying to I'm itching to find different areas yeah. where, like you know, some people love doing a bit of art, some people love going out, um, whatever it is, going swimming or going jumping in the sea or whatever it is, and um, that's just that's that's my thing that helps me helps me chill. Like you could play guitar for two hours and not. What tunes are we talking? about? What are we playing? Um, what do you want? Like, we, we, we play it all. Like, um, no, it's kind of mainly like I love the pogues and things of like that, and yeah. kind of a couple of jigs and reels. But it's mainly it's mainly um, songs. So we sat down and said, "What are the uh, what are the forty songs? If we were down there drinking two points of Guinness, what yeah. would we like to hear?" So we've probably seven or eight pogue songs, a bit of Demo Dempsey, um, anything from kind of going like old school then, like Bruce Springsteen, okay, like things like just thing kind of popular rock songs and yeah. we love to play so Bonnie Vare or Kings of Leon or and it's mainly tourists in and around there is it? mainly yeah so we, we do the odd gigs so. kind of around the city as well but like I don't overdo it now maybe one a week but it's a nice release again Sean my bro does it, does it a lot more okay um, so it, no, it's cool though it's uh, it's just a nice little legend particularly in Temple Bar there's no no one has ever mentioned the word football that's what I was going to say to you and I think that's because I think when you say escape and like I imagine you like let's say you come down to I bring you down to, to Baylor or in Calvin down to my local like I, you play music and everyone thinks oh that was great but I'd say as soon as you finish if you're hanging out for a point everyone's going to be annoying you about football not talking about music <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it must be so nice to actually get that little, oh, that little space within yourself like, it is and it's it's actually structuring because we all know like like and every coach will tell you now don't be worrying about football for the next <laughs> few days for a big game but it's actually what do you fill that space with you know, and some people go to cinema. Some people hang around with their mates. Their mates are still going to ask me football. I know. Yeah. I remember the lads like told the story of the night before the twenty eleven final. We were just chilling out and we were playing a couple of tunes, and they, there was about four or five of us. And they were like really relaxed when I was in the room. And then like I'd go out to the jacks, and I only heard this after it. And they'd be like, "Oh my god, how is he so relaxed? What's he doing?" Like, we were all, they were all wound up at the they're match. All freaking so out. So they like. talk about the match for three minutes while I'm out in the bathroom. And then they'd come in and then they pretend to be. Chill again, yeah. So um, you know, I, I again, it's just you know, my one of my things is I can't really become any better close to a game, yeah. but I can become worse by sure. overthinking. So uh, you know, it's 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 a kind of tip the cap to my own confidence that uh, I, I, that's why I do it. So I try and say, listen, get away from football. You're you're a good baller. Mm -hmm. Whatever happens tomorrow happens. Just chill, you know. I think I think your love of music comes across really strongly there, and for me, like it's. 
I think it must just be so like must be so nice just to have that release and that escape. And I suppose there's another there's another topic I want to get on to. And I, I was doing my research again last night, and I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you two lines from a song and see if it, if if you if you know what it is first and foremost, and then mm. we can bounce on to where where I think it's going to go to. But the the words I've picked out was, it breaks my heart that you went so far. To all young people, be proud of who you are. You're smiling there, do you know? Yeah, yeah. I got a shiver there, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Chris um, and Stevie. Yeah. Jeez, you're doing your research, yeah, yeah, no <laughs> Take this seriously. Um, <laughs> Friday, like, I, 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 I didn't really know that song, and I've, 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 I've heard it mentioned before. It's obviously, it's Damien Dempsey. Yeah, yeah. But for anyone sort of listening that hasn't heard heard those before would you, would you just give a quick sort of backstory on the song or what it is or yeah or yeah. how you come across or why you love how it how do I really? come across I suppose um, just of a great love for Damon Dempsey he, he's he's um, he's a true dub he's a, he's a warrior he's as tough as nails yeah. um, but he has that edge to him that uh, I love to see in blokes is that he's able to have real conversations I'm robbing your quotes no, again <laughs> but um, I suppose that one is about his two friends and yeah. both of them two Two more young people uh, cut down from a rope. Like mm. it's a rough, rough song uh, about how they were, you know, they were the tough men. They kind of turn. I think it was crime or whatever. They turned to whatever it was, and um, I suppose he's trying to spread that message. And it's it's a song in two parts, and one of them is is uh, that after that line, to all young people, be proud of who you are. There's a change in the whole song mm. uh, from, you know. Uh, a kind of a straightforward storytelling thing sure. to a an uplifting, hopeful musical thing where he says, you know, he gives a solution, which is talk yeah. to me and tell me how you feel. It's um, beautiful. Like I actually I was listening to it last night, and it, st- it struck a chord with me for a few obvious reasons. One was um, like I actually I grew up in Donegal, so uh, okay, I, actually, okay. I grew up listening. My older brother he was in the converted attic in the house, and he took he he went full on demo. I used to like he'd be heading off to work in the morning. Yeah. And I'd be waiting to go to school, and Dave would be blaring out these tunes. So I know, I know lyrics all the different songs, but I actually never heard that one before. And mm. I listened to it the first time, and like you said, it just sort of went over my head. And I was like, I'm not sure, because I didn't. I wasn't fairness. I hold my hand up. I wasn't really listening to it. Yeah, yeah. I was sort of doing a few different things. I was on the back, and I was like, oh, I don't know. Mm. And I was listening to it. I listened to it two or three times, and at one stage, like I actually started feeling like the emotion hit me a little bit. Mm. And I was like, this song is like this song is it. Like this is this is the shit. Like yeah. Um, I suppose you, like that sort of. Um, it really got me thinking around sort of the mental health space, and I think you know, and I know it's it's probably a, a, a passion that we share mm. around education for particularly in young people. I think, I suppose that song just it really got me thinking. Um, I suppose it was just because I, I knew I wanted to talk about music, and that lit them lyrics just jumped out at me, and it was yeah. like I have to bring that up. That's but, fantastic. Song. Like it's it's absolutely class, and like I suppose the mental health piece, and that you mentioned. You mentioned the word resilience actually earlier on, and one of the questions I was going to ask you: you've just what does resilience mean to you? Because it's something we hear all, all the time. But if, some, if I say to you, "What is resilience?" What comes to your mind? Um, pretty question, I suppose. I think re- resilience is the is the presence of skills to kind of bounce back and face adversity in the right manner. Mm. Um, and I, I suppose, and a lot of us, some of us have some of the skills naturally mm-hmm. to to handle particular types of setbacks um, but we don't have the skills to deal with other ones some of us are very resilient naturally some of us ha- ha- have no kind of ability and are, are really struggle when things go wrong and we shy away from challenges and things like that so that's kind of I suppose resilience for me is that um, 
And when building resilience, uh, it's it's about teaching people to the skills to to face to face adversity, to face set challenges and setbacks, and to uh, yeah, get, yeah, kind of upskill people. Yeah, I know it's just like resilience is something that I and I certainly like. My story is no, uh, it, it's been it's been out there before, and I, I think resilience is definitely something that you can build and I'm still building it all the time you know mm-hmm. um, and one of the things I always talk about if I'm in with groups if it's if it's in with school groups or if it's in GA clubs whatever is that um, like I think it's really important that you know, we all recognise that four out of four of us have mental health I think we always talk about the one and four and straight away it all goes to like the negative like you know like depression anxiety bipolar psych. and there's loads, of, there's loads of different things on the spectrum they're all really really important like mm-hmm. that we know about them that we understand them but I suppose like when I talk about the four and four the message I try to get across to people is that is that resilience piece and you mentioned about building it there I suppose I'm curious as to how, how, how do you think how, how does someone Joe Soap out there if listening to this that thinks you know I, I could do a bit, a bit more resilient give us a pointer or two to get them in the right direction um, I suppose it's it's kind of going and, and trying to upskill yourself on it and trying to learn more about it and what are the things that you have and what are the things you need to develop and um, some people need to develop how they talk to themselves. So are they more likely to have unhelpful thoughts around challenges or or um, or helpful thoughts or helpful actions? You know, it's, it's something that we teach in. Like I work with do do a couple of a couple of sessions a week with uh, aware yeah. schools, and when we teach teenagers about um, some CBT techniques about how to actually. Uh, frame, frame their challenges, frame their stresses a bit differently. Just give us an example of, of one, just one, of one of those. Just so let's say on the spot some, here, something but. even simple like um, uh, so they might. So let's say let's say a young lad fifth year and do, he doesn't get a text back from his girlfriend. Mm. Yeah. So what does he think immediately? Well, he thinks she's cheating on me. What's he feel? He feels upset or yeah. feels sad. And what does he do? Well, the lads when they're in their macho state, they tell me, oh, "I'll text her, mate." <laughs> You know, <laughs> and we kind of say, well, only helpful thoughts, only helpful actions. Because yeah. nothing you could do. So, so that's that stuff pops in your head. I know. Yeah. What's more likely to pop in your head? She's cheating on me, or uh, you know, her dad made her put her phone down because she's up studying. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And but, yeah, but our mind can just take us to the negative our, our, straight our, our away. Our mind goes, and now that's a natural. That's a natural yeah. reaction. We're we're naturally negative, ne- negatively biased. Um, we used to need to be naturally negative biased. Mm-hmm. We don't need it anymore. Um, because the world has changed so much, so we actually need to be, we need to be naturally more positive biased. Yeah. Um, so I suppose, and that's that's a kind of a weighing scales yeah. in terms of, you know, if ten good things happen to you in a day and ten bad things happen to you, what are you spending more time thinking of? If you score a hat trick in a soccer game but you miss an opener, what are you spending the night thinking of? You're spending time thinking of the opener yeah. that you missed, um, rather than going, Do you know what, I scored three unreal goals. Um, so I suppose it's kind of it's kind of trying to watch it, it, it's watch um, uh, uh, you know the the, the, the uh, journey from your thoughts to your feelings to your mm-hmm. actions and figuring out well is there anything I can change here is there, anything, is there any way I can frame this in a different way um, so that's one of the things that we that we work on no, in, I think, in, in, I think, in a way like I think you've explained that really really well and I think so that I, certainly, I certainly feel fortunate that we got to share a classroom one of the days out in Terranure College and not gonna like be straight up not gonna lie but I just I came out of that just going like that day was class and I actually from my perspective that was something that you know I've done I've done an awful lot of those sessions over the years and I was actually I enjoyed so much having someone else there to bounce off and the, the thing 
and I, like, obviously your, your input to that day was top class but the bit that I really loved that really stuck with me was was your concept of the man rules and I think you, you touched oh, yeah, the, yeah. you touched upon that there um, I suppose you yeah. might just actually you might just round up sort of what that discussion was or what um, went down from your, well, perspective, that was from your actually, perspective that was something that I was introduced to um by by a group called the Sora Foundation yeah. who 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 ran one of their workshops around that, and like if anyone's listening and hasn't heard of them, they absolutely need to check out the website. Yeah, yeah, sure Tony Griffin, like, uh, who's an ex Clare yeah. hurler, and Carl Swan, who have set it up, but they've a really really cool um, approach a re- uh, to to uh, emotional resilience mm-hmm. in teenagers. And I suppose I just I just um, like the way the people that work there are. Uh, uh, Different. I feel like I feel like they're becoming the best versions of themselves, um, but that was about uh, something. And I've seen um, stuff in uh, in Reach in Melbourne. Reach the Reach Foundation was set up by Jim Steins. Yes, and I suppose it's it's kind of I don't know who wrote the who wrote the man rules. I think because the rules are when you ask people what what should a man be like, and he should be the what's the first one you think the, of? Well, he should be tough. Yeah, he should be. A warrior, he should be strong. He should bring home the bacon. Don't bring, cry. Bring, don't cry. Bring home yeah. the uh, bring home the cash. You bring know, points. For the fans. <laughs> bring points and slag the lads. You know. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that concept is that um, you know, there's days when you need that. Mm-hmm. There's days when you need that. But I think that form of masculinity is failing men. Um, so you know, there's there's the side of men where they can they need to show a bit of vulnerability. Uh, a lot of people see it as a weakness. I don't. I see it as being a more rounded man. You know, knowing that today, you know, I have to be the warrior. But you know, maybe tomorrow I actually have to be a bit more honest with myself and kind of have um, have a look at what's actually going on and maybe maybe look for a dig out yeah. because we don't always know the answers. Particularly when we're feeling something, if we're feeling angry uh, in a particular situation or we're feeling stressed, we can't see the world through the same eyes as, as someone else. So that's why you need to you need to talk to someone when you're in those states. Um, so I think I I love that um, that message is that you know particularly blokes that mm. that it's just there's, there's like I don't want to repeat myself. But there's there's a time to be be the tough. Yeah, of course there's there is. To, of course there's there is. time to show strength. Maybe it's to your family, mm-hmm. or maybe it's to your friends, and to sh- or maybe it's on the football pitch. Yeah. You don't want to show any weakness when something goes wrong, which is great. Especially when you scored five goals and my well, brain's gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's also a time then that you know you need you need you need I need to dig out here. So yeah. um, that's, that's I, I, I think that that eats across because I asked you about resilience and certainly from from my perspective the way the way I view and I, I have I've no I've no you know professional qualifications that stuff or anything but like my view of resilience now is that when things are going negatively or when things are going poorly and I recognise that that slide is going downwards and I I always use the scale of zero to ten like where am I at and for me. Like if it's if it's negative thoughts or if it's depression or whatever it is, if that's starting to eat in and, and take me from seven to six to five, resilience to me is recognizing that within one or two moves down the scale and going, okay, what's going on? How do I draw a line here? And then the resilience is how do I creep forward one? And you know, I've got some of the stuff for mm. me, and I think one of the biggest things that's worked for me over the years is, is connecting with people, is having proper conversations. I think it's something we've both touched upon already, and just I suppose that leads me on to. The Warriors of the Light Night, which you've run, you've run two now, haven't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, so I ran a couple of them. Yeah, so. Like I remember, like I was at the first, and obviously I felt privileged and an honour to be there first and foremost, and to speak was an absolute joy. I remember just walking out of that evening, going like, "This is, this is the stuff. Like this is, we need more of this in Ireland." And I suppose just, just to ask you, sort of, 
the b- bit of background on that. Where where the idea and the motivation came to do something like that, mm-hmm. and and why you did it, I suppose, because I think from a GA, particularly jump GA players, and as you said, the man rules. You know, like get the ball, go past your man, put it over the bar, run out, for it, like pump your fist, and yeah, good luck. Talk to me a little bit about that because it's something that I, I found fascinating and I think it's a brilliant concept and I, I'd, lo- I'd love people to know more about it. Uh, yeah, well, I suppose uh, the Warriors of the Light kind of came from, um, you know, me trying to, to kind of do, just do something a bit different with, mm. with the skills that I, that, that I have, you know, and, and the, the values that I have. Um, and I suppose like trying to learn to align those, align what you're good at to, to what's, what's the essence of you. And... Um, it kind of came, I suppose. We. What is the essence of you before well, you go on to that? Well, geez, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out, but uh, I suppose it's it's trying to, I, I, to. Probably what it is is never had any real confidence in mm-hmm. myself to go out and do things. Sure. Put me, but being on a successful football team and building, and get, let help me build confidence. It injects a bit into you. Yeah. And now I'm kind of saying, well, do you know what? I actually have confidence to do these things and to not be, not be as worried and to actually change. Yeah. So I, I'm just. Trying to try something new, I suppose. And then myself and um, my mate Mark, who's a teacher, uh, we went to an event that Pieta House ran mm-hmm. called, called The Bounce of the Ball. And it was like 10 speakers, 10 minutes. Paul Flynn invited me along. And it was just, it was just basically, it was just mind-blowing. The two of us left the place. There was, there was like, uh, Joe Castlin spoke at it, who's an artist. Um, uh, Connor Cusack spoke, who's a really, really uh, mm-hmm. powerful speaker, a great wordsmith. And so just a real spread of, of men yeah, telling yeah, the stories, men, was it? It was all men. It was for me international men's. Yeah. Jack McGrath spoke at it, and uh, there was a poet kind of opened up the night, and Owen McDermott spoke, and um, and, and they were just blokes just standing up there going, yeah, "This is what's going on. This, this is story. this is what's going. This is a story." And the two of us left there going like so energized mm. about like um, you know just just giving people a dig out, and that's what the whole night was about. Um, we just said, "Just imagine you could like." make imagine you could do that like make a hundred people get a hundred people into the room because we said we said we're going to try and rob what we learned tonight and help 10 people yeah and then we kind of go well, why would you think so small like why mm. would you not get a hundred people in the room and try and get them to help 10 yeah. people um and that's that, that's just where it kind of came from and for me i felt like i was good at running events i love music mm. and for me behavior change well what gets under my skin and gets into my heart is music. Mm. You know, is 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 the Damon Dempsey line. Yeah. You know, from all young people, be proud of who you are. That gets under my skin through a song a lot a lot easier than it does if someone just says it to me. Yeah, I get you. Because yeah. because whatever way art gets through our brains and into our hearts, that's that's what worked for me. So I so we just said, yeah, why don't we do and he uh, music and poetry, and then Mark said, do you know what as well when like. There's a part of our Irish culture where storytelling was a big thing and people used to have storytelling nights. So why can we bring that back? So that's where I kind of mashed it all into one. So poetry, song and stories um, create spaces that are different nights out for people. There's no drink. Uh, there's places where there's a kind of a relaxed atmosphere. We can create a culture of compassion and, and just place where people are going to have honest conversations. You know, particularly as footballers, I definitely felt that wasn't probably part of our culture a number of years ago. I think it is creeping in, and I think it's creeping in across society, and I think we're getting, as a country, we're getting an awful lot better. Are we where we need to be? Absolutely not. And I suppose, I think it is slowly creeping up and it's getting better, but I suppose the question that I had for you was, how do we 
how do we try and put a turbo rocket under that? How do we try and light that sort of compassionate fire, for the want of a better phrase? Yeah, um, I, I, I find it very, it's a, it's a tough question. And again, mm. I don't, like I'm not, again, really that comfortable talking about um, mental health in terms of politics and in yeah. terms of schools. Like no, that and because, I'm the same, like. Because I, 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 I'm just not uh, well-versed enough on it. Um, I do have a huge interest in, you know, what's going on in the brain and things like that. Um, so I suppose for for me it's 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 if you can just create spaces to um, to be more be more relaxed I suppose and to be more um, be more honest with, mm. with what's going on. So it, like it it is hard to know and like we uh, everyone keeps saying that it's it's getting better it's getting better but like I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure it is like cause really? I, I, well I'm worried I I am worried about the way that um, like. The, the the pressure that a lot of teenagers are being put under in it's, terms of like you know when you're in the classroom as well some of the stuff that comes up for me I'm like holy shit like yeah, you know? yeah I suppose it's just it's just and I just think maybe it's maybe it's resilience maybe it's 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 how to um you know you know make the uncomfortable things a bit trendier you know to uh, and it's 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 a hard thing to do so I I don't really know um but I do think that. We need to take much more of an interest in in our uh, mental fitness, in our in our emotional resilience uh, as people. When you when you look at it's not just in sport. When you look at the difference in people, when it's in terms of leadership, when it's in terms of success, it, it, it's not about it, like it's not about the, the the gifts they got from 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 God or wherever they got them. It's not it's not about, but it's about it's about. There's skills that can be built, like aren't they? like there's skills that learned. can be built, and I mean it's. It's 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 lifting it's lifting weights for your brain. Like it's not lifting weights for your biceps. You know what I mean? Although uh, that that can be important at times. <laughs> it can be important. I'm just trying to impress the monster. And no, like you know, like it's um, it's yeah, yeah, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, everyone is like there's a, there's a big okay, there's a big move, and it seems to be maybe it's just who I follow on. Facebook and Twitter, it's like everyone's talking about eating healthy, yeah, which is great. You know what I mean? Eating yeah, healthy because yeah. if you're eating cleaner, you're because because what's happening is there's more fast food and there's more eating healthy popping up, so people still don't know where to go. Yeah, um, but it seems like to me now I think maybe my world is warped because the the world you're in now is who you follow on sure, Twitter, yeah, you know, and that's that's what you see what's going on, um. So I probably I I, I think hopefully people will start putting a bit more weight on. The, the mental fitness side of things and the most in the motion emotional resilience and the more intangible things um, about about ourselves that um that make us who we are. Yeah, I think like I come back to the connection piece and I was talking about compassion and empathy there and like, just from my own life, my own experience, like I always like for me, compassion empathy just starts with like about yourself in terms of self awareness. But then like in my mind because like, people say, oh like don't when you say a compassionate and and, and empathetic society, people go like, Whoa, what's that? But I sort of take it back and be like, well, can I help have that with my friends and my family first and foremost? Because like, I look at my life as like me in the middle, the next circle is my family and friends, people I love and care for. Then there's like, you know, the wider family and wider mm-hmm. friends and teammates and all that. And I'm like, well, can I, if I just look after circle one and two, do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to go back to a quote here because I, li- I said I was listening to that tune a few times. You actually referenced it earlier on as well. But again, I listened to it and it was, it was talk to me and tell me how you feel. Lean on me, I'm here, my love is real. And that for me is like, that's the answer, like, in my, in my life. Yeah, yeah. And I, I agree with you, like, just the, the, the whole political side and curriculums and all that. And 
I just because and it's easy to get lost in that negativity I think but I just mm. the, the, like if I read that lyric out again like talk to me and tell me how you feel lean on me I'm here my love is real like mm. like what does that shout out to you what does like what goes through your mind when I read that out like, sorry, that's, 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 that's the same song from David Yeah, yeah, I suppose that's off. just... And that's just one of the, like, most quintessentially... Tough, the guy tattooed tough that men. on my head. Like. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> like one of the, 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 I suppose, our, our toughest exports from the city saying that. Um, and, yeah, I suppose it's just... I mean, that song is about, is about you know, male suicide. Mm. And, it, and it is, and, you know, there's, there is that uh, discomfort, whether it's embarrassment. I don't know what it is. Sorry, do I understand why people are looking to talk? Mm. Absolutely. I totally understand why, but I don't agree with it. And I think if if you could get that message, and I know there's, um, there's uh, so many people that have stuff going on in their head, or stuff going on in their lives, and they're in situations where it's just there, it's just coming through their throat, into their mouth, onto their tongue. On and the right, on the edge of the palate there. But something holds it back. Mm. I, I think that's, you know, it's years I've been told particular things. I've been told, get up out of that, don't be crying. Chin up, get up, out of that, chin up, yeah, you know. And it's that's what's holding that mm. story back at the last minute. And I think it's, as Dan was just let go. There's people there that are going to listen to you. So just let go of that Thank little, you. let go of that little, um, whatever it is in your throat that's, that, that's holding the words back. Just let go. And um, and that's kind of, the, that, that's that's a way out. Of, of what you're experiencing. Like I'd strongly, I'd strongly encourage anyone who's listening to this to actually, uh, like, to go find that song and to spend, to, to give it five minutes and, and don't make the mistake I did, like a dope, of only half listening to it and yeah, sort of going, yeah. what's that? Actually go, do you know what, five minutes. I'd, I'd highly recommend it. And I suppose, just as I'm finishing up, Kev, I suppose one last question for you. And uh, I suppose we've talked through an awful lot there, from past, present, What's the what's the future look like for you sitting here now talking to me and looking at me? What's the what's the POA or where do you see yourself going? Um it's a good question. I suppose I'm kinda of just um uh yeah, I'm kinda of just seeing what happens. I don't know, I, I suppose I do want to be um I wanna be as good a uh, a coach uh, as I can in terms of in terms of coaching people, finding new ways to get better at that. Mm-hmm. Um finding maybe new ways, maybe putting a bit more of a, an edge or a bit more of a spin on, on the Warriors nights. It's kind of slowly become part of who I am. And to, as always, you know, see the, be the best I can be on the football pitch and maybe figure out where I'm going to get my next adventure from, you know, how, how I can, um, you know, maybe experience something completely new that I haven't done yet. Um, uh, so, yeah, I suppose it's hard to know. I don't. I kind of don't... I have a few long-term goals, but in terms of the future, I try, I try and I try and look at adding a little edge to myself every day. Maybe that tier one, circle yeah. one, uh, looking after myself as best I can. And then, Jesus, I wasn't. I, I don't know what the future holds. Hopefully, it's more <laughs> you don't success know, in terms though. of football. Like, it's success in terms of uh, my personal life, and it's um, yeah, I suppose some um, yeah, some some. Uh, some good challenges ahead I very suppose. good no, I only ask because I love when someone says to you like you know where'd you see yourself in 10 years and you're like I don't know what I'll be doing next year yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but... but people have been, <laughs> people overestimate what they can do in a year yeah. and underestimate what they can do sure. in five years so it's it's important I suppose that I do have 
lofty valleys. Maybe I don't want to shout. Maybe we're looking to shout them out. And this, is, the, this is me holding back. I don't know what's telling me not to talk about this. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, look, I hope, hope, to, hope to get better every day. That's one of my big ones. Now, listen, first and foremost, best of luck with everything for the year ahead, on and off the field. I think some of the work you're doing off the field is making a real, really strong impact and, and positive influence. If that's that's in dress rooms or if that's with individuals, or if that's the Warriors at light night, like sincerely, best of luck with all that. The last thing I'd just like to say is to actually thank you for doing this today, for having for having that conversation with me. I think a few of the key strands that come up all the time is is real talks of meaningful conversations, of compassion, empathy. Um, and I just think you just you spoke well, so well across those topics and I'm sure anyone who's listening today who, like you said, sometimes gets to those stages where the thing's on the tip of the tongue and they're like, will I, won't I? I hope what we've talked through today is will help someone actually, you know, go, do you know what, actually I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to someone I trust about that or I'm going to say this or I'm going to say that to me manager or I'm going to say that to me to me teammate or whatever, to the wing back who's not doing his job. All those things that we get on our tip of the tongue and we shrivel up. Um, but no, just genuinely, thanks a million for that. I think there's, there's just there's an awful lot there. I think... People, people have an opportunity to take away a huge amount from that. Um, and just to thank you for your time. I know you're a busy man. Oh, and as I said, best luck with everything going forward. And we'll talk to you again. So thank you. Spot on. Damn so that's it for this week's episode. And I really hope you enjoyed this conversation with Kevin as much as I did. Make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes by heading over to realtalks.ie forward slash podcast. That's realtalks.ie forward slash podcast to subscribe to the show on whatever platform suits you. If you want to get in touch on Twitter, you can get me at AOM the cat, that's AOM the cat, or through Realtalks IRL. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Alan O'Mara official or forward slash Realtalks IRL. Once again, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Kelly Bradshaw Dalton, for supporting this podcast. Over the years, they've gone above and beyond to help me find suitable accommodation and their customer service is second to none. To find out more about them and available properties, go to kbd.ie. My name is Alan O'Mara and you've been listening to an episode of The Real Talks Podcast.